Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you're listening. Welcome back to AI and the Future of Work. Thanks again for making this one of the most downloaded podcasts about the future of work. If you enjoy what we do, please like, comment, and share in your favorite podcast app. And we'll keep sharing great conversations like the one we have for today. I'm your host, Dan Turchin, CEO of PeopleRain, the AI platform for IT and HR employee service. I'm also an investor in and advisor to more than 30 AI-first companies and, as you know, a firm believer in the power of technology to make humans better. If you're passionate about changing the world with AI or maybe just looking for your next adventure, let's talk. Today's a special live episode of the podcast. In more than 185 episodes, this is only the fifth live episode we've recorded. For AI and the Future of Work trivia buffs, the first one was back in 2019 with Reza Nazaman, former CIO of SAP SuccessFactors. And in honor of this special occasion, we're going to skip the weekly fun fact to give us more time to hang out with today's guest. Now, we often discuss the connection between employee experiences and customer experiences. Organizations that invest in better employee experiences tend to dramatically outperform the competition. Of course, we focus on the employee experience from the perspective of technology. We've discussed AI for talent management with great guests like Kamal Alawalia from Eightfold and HR tech investors like Jason Corsello from Acadian Ventures. Well, today's guest is one of the HR tech leaders at the leading HR industry body, SHRM, or the Society for Human Resources Management. SHRM boasts an impressive 300,000 plus members in 165 countries and was started all the way back in 1948. Guillermo Correa is the managing director of the SHRM Workplace Innovation Lab and Venture Capital Initiatives. He joined SHRM in 2015. Guillermo and his team are focused on finding and cultivating technologies that will impact the future of work. Guillermo's team organizes the SHRM Better Workplaces Challenge Cup and Workplace Tech Accelerator. Plus, they lead the organization's impact investing program. Guillermo is a vocal leader in the HR tech community, and uh, I have the pleasure of meeting him today in person at SHRM Tech 2023 here in San Francisco. Without further ado, Guillermo, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the podcast. Let's get started by having you share a little bit more about uh, your background. Thank you very much, Dan. I really appreciate you uh, coming all the way out here to SHRM Tech. We're very excited about uh, finishing up our first Sherm Tech event in the U.S. It's actually a show or an event that we've been doing over the past, I don't know, three years or so in India. It was something that was started by our Sherm India team, and we've now expanded it into the U.S., and we view it as the premier HR tech event in the world that is very much focused on the HR executive decision maker. Um, so this is not the type of event where you come to see vendor demos or hear product demos. It's really about the people who are driving workplace innovation and who are the best people equipped to do that. And that's HR. Great to be here with you. You know, to share a little bit about, about myself, I came out of school right around the time when the internet hit. Um, I caught the bug and have pretty much been on the on that digital internet wave um, ever since. I tell people that one of my favorite quotes is, um, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Um, and so in 2015, 
I joined Sherm, and believe it or not, my, my first job out of school was at a, a small nonprofit. When I left it, I said, I'm never working in the nonprofit world again. Well, 2015 showed up. I looked at Sherm. I said, you know what? Let's give it a, a, a try, see how it goes. And it's been an incredible ride. And, uh, and so what ended up happening is that I, given my background in digital media, I very quickly got involved with e-commerce um, at, at Sherm, as well as driving digital product uh, and services partnerships. And what that allowed me to do was to get a really good sense of the overall market, the HR uh, market out there. And not just that, but you know, being a part of Sherm, all the conferences that we do, the 320,000 plus members that we have, right? It, it has given me like a really solid background on what makes HR tick and, um, and, you know, and what our members are looking for, what's important for our members. So about two and a half uh, years ago, Alex Alonso, our chief knowledge officer, uh, came to me with uh, um, this opportunity of taking over the leadership of Sherm Labs. Um, and so I jumped at the chance and an incredible ride. I actually don't view uh, my role at, as you know the managing director of Sherm Labs as, as a job. It's, it's really a lot of fun for me. And, and obviously, you know, getting to talk about AI and, and disruptive technologies like that is, is just fun for me. It's, it, I don't view it as a job. I described the mission of labs based on some of the programs that I know you organize. Talk us through labs versus the broader Sherm organization. Sure, absolutely. So number one, we're part of a mission-driven organization, right? We're, we're, we're a subgroup of, um, of SHRM, right? But we're still part of that, that mission-driven organization. So at the very, very top is always the mission, which is better workplaces, better world. Um, now, how is it that SHRM Labs, you know, uh, is connected to SHRM, right? We're basically helping SHRM support in elevating HR as the thought leader in workplace innovation. Um, the way that we see it, no one out there is better equipped to drive workplace innovation than HR is. Um, not finance, not marketing, not operations, and certainly not IT. Um, and no offense to any IT folks out there, but I, I think a lot of my HR people out there will, will understand what I mean by that. And so that's what we do. You know, we help, we, we support Sherman elevating um, the, the HR profession. To that end, you know, what we've done is we've created programs that help our members engage, right? Because they're our number one audience. But then we also have to look at the second audience that, that is very important to us, and that's the innovators that are out there, okay? And so to that end, uh, back in 2021, when we first began executing, um, the first thing that we did was we created a pitch competition that we called the Better Workplaces Challenge Cup. This is now, I, I think it's safe to say that it's the top workplace pitch competition because of the format that, that it's been built in. Um, it's a global competition that has rounds in the United States, as well as, you know, you name it, Europe, uh, Africa, Middle East, Asia Pacific, Latin America. Now, the important piece about this competition, and, and this is where we get to talking about, you know, how members engage with it and, 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 and start getting more familiar with workplace innovation and all the different disruptive technologies around HR tech is that we co-host first rounds of, of the competition with the largest chapters at Sherm. So think of um, you know, the big cities out there, San Francisco, DC, New York, Atlanta, Chicago, Austin, Dallas. 
Um, so the biggest chapters at Sherm participate as the co-host. They provide the judges, and and so you you know you have HR tech startups that are participating, or work, let's call them workplace tech startups, because it's not just HR that they that they deal with, right? And they participate, and then they're judged by HR practitioners, the people who they're trying to sell their products to. So what better way of of you know having moving through a, a a workplace pitch competition than actually having the people who are going to be buying your products basically putting a stamp of approval and saying, hey, you know what, this technology or this solution or this platform really belongs in the marketplace. So we launched that in 2021, had great success with it. We even had Damon John as a, as, as the celebrity judge in the in the finals. Last year, we took it international for the first time. This year, we're, um, we started the competition um, in February. And, and we're doing five rounds in the U.S., five rounds um, international. And then it, we're going to have two semifinals. And from the semifinals, the two winners are going to get to participate at the Sherm Annual Conference and Expo that's happening June 11th through the 14th um, in Las Vegas. So that's the pitch competition. You know, that, that, that kind of like got, got our feet wet, wet in, into this whole craziness, right, of, of workplace tech. Last year, we launched um, uh, something that we called the Workplace Tech Accelerator. Um I think you're familiar with what an accelerator does. You know, accelerators are a dime a dozen. In our case, though, we were able to create something that's very, very unique um, because there is nobody out there that has the network that Sherm has. Like when you really, truly look at, at our entire network, it's it's not really just the 320,000 members or the conferences that we put on. Um, as a matter of fact, one of the things that we did last year during the kickoff is that we brought the cohort companies to our headquarters where they got to meet with um, some of our executives as well as get presentations from these executives. One of the presentations that they got was from our chief membership officer, uh, Mike Aiken. And uh, once they saw the, 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 how big the Sherm network is, the look on their faces was just priceless. I, w- I wish I could have taken a picture of that. And so we create this accelerator, right, to address one big issue that we see out there, and that is this gap between, like I was saying earlier, the people who know the workplace the best, HR, and the innovators out there. Um, And the gap is that, um, you know, you have innovators that they see a problem, they jump on the problem, they think they found a solution, and then they bring it over to HR, and HR basically says, that's not for me. And so what we're doing with our workplace tech accelerator cohort companies is that we're immersing them in the Sherm experience. We're immersing them in the, in the HR experience. We get them to truly understand our members and you know, what they're looking for so that they can truly cater their solutions or their products to the needs of the workers and the workplace. So that model, you know, we, we saw it last year. It's worked fantastic. Um, as a matter of fact, at ShermTech this week, we brought in five of our uh, founders um, and they were able to participate in panels and, and you know, and that's how we get them um, connected. The third big piece of what Sherm Labs um, is, is all about is uh, recently in, in uh, January of this year, we launched something that we called the Workplace Tech Community. Um, so the way that I describe the workplace tech community is that it's, uh, think of it as the online playground where HR and the innovators out there are going to be able to collaborate, explore a lot of the disruptive technologies like voice, AI, 
virtual reality, the HR blockchain, and how those technologies can be used to solve critical workplace challenges. And so we put this this community community together, not by accident, but we actually went to our members um, two years ago and we did a survey in which they said, hey, you know what, we're looking for a safe space where we can come in, you know, collaborate with each other, uh, look at all the different tech that is out there. Um, one thing, one piece that I'll add in there that I, that I forgot to mention in the beginning is that, you know, building a community product like this, it, it, it's not a one and done, right? It's something that you build over time, you add features and functionalities. So the way that we did our 1.0 release is that um, we came up with, uh, think of this as the trip advisor for HR tech, right? Um, where our members are going to be able to come in, read product reviews, look at the ratings, determine, you know, if somebody was happy with the way that the vendor implemented, you know, said product um, and, and things like that. And so that's that's something that we, you know, that's available for sure members. It's being slowly rolled out. And, and we think that it's going to have a great deal of impact in, in getting our members to become more digitally savvy, um, with, without a doubt. Um, and then the, the, the last and fourth piece that I'll mention to you that makes up Sherm Labs is um, our venture capital arm. Um, we uh, invest into venture capital funds as well as uh, do direct investments into startups that are strategically aligned with our overall mission, which is uh, better workplaces, better world. I know I said a lot there, so let me pause there and see if you have any questions about that. <laughs> These days, you could argue that the CHRO is the most strategic leader in the C-suite. There's this hyper-focus on the quality of employee experiences. To the extent you agree with that statement, why do you think that's the case? I think you're right. And, you know, the one easy thing that I can point to is look at the, the employment rate, right? Um, or the unemployment rate, I should say. I think the last one that I that I read about was either 3.4 or 3.5%. One of the top issues, if not the top issue that HR folks are, are dealing with right now is retention and recruitment, right? So when you have a problem like that, that directly affects the number one resource that companies have, right? Which is its workforce, then the the CHRO is going to take a center seat, right? One analogy that I like to make is that if you go back and you look at the financial crisis from 2008, 2009, right? The people who took the center stage were the CFOs, right? Just because of, of everything that was going on, going on at that time. If you go back to 1999, right? And the whole Y2K problem, right? It was IT that took um, that took center stage. So right now it's definitely about the CHRO. It, it's about, you know, um, having the right resources in place, um, having the right programs in place for employees, right? To make sure that that you have happy and productive employees. So that's, that's the reason why the CHRO is, is center stage right now. How do you think employees' expectations about what their relationship is with their employer have changed over the last few years? I think that, you know, one of the things that, that obviously there's a lot going on, right? When you look at the, at the economy, you know, like, like at a macro level, there's so many things that you can, that you can point to, right? From, you know, the, the, the number of baby boomers that, that are retiring right now. And that's definitely putting, when you have a large, you know, a large number of people that are leaving the the workforce, right? That's where, or or I should say that augments the whole retention and recruitment problem, right? Because you have less people. But 
honestly, I think that one of the things that happened with the uh, pandemic is that it scared so many people into, or not scared, actually, you know what, that's the, that's the wrong word. I think it's more, I think there's a lot more people that are awake now about what truly matters in their lives, right? And so you have a lot of employees that are, are now thinking twice about, oh, do I really need to be working 12, 14 hour days, right? Instead of, instead of spending that time with my kids, right? Or instead of spending that time with doing things that that I that I would prefer to be doing. So I, I think that that's where um you know that's one of the 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 main reason why I think employees have become finicky about what what they do, you know, and and I I you know we have research from from uh our, our research team that shows that you know the younger generations, millennials, Gs, Gen Zs, you know, the they they have kind of like other priorities than than just you know working and 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 building a, a a career you know they're they're more interested in taking care of number one taking care of themselves so so you sit at this really unique nexus of where the employee experience meets technology how's your crystal ball tell me in let's say a decade what's one technology that will be commonplace at work that today might seem like science fiction i think voice without a doubt and I, I have no doubt about that. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, three years ago, we did a, a, a pilot at one of our, uh, actually, it was at our annual conference that we did it, um, where we basically created Alexa skills for, you know, Alexa from, from Amazon, right? We created these skills um, for HR professionals. And back then, we were just thinking about, you know, our members uh, figuring out ways in which they would be able to um, be more efficient and strategic at work, right? And, and one of the ways that they can accomplish that is by using using technology that takes away manual processes, right? So for example, if you have somebody, I don't know, let's say you have somebody that works in Texas, but they have an HR professional that works in Texas, right? But they have employees that um, work in California, right? And so let's say this person is not too familiar with FMLA, right? And so they're sitting at their desk, they have, you know, their their voice device, whatever that might be. You know, let, let's say it's it's uh, an echo from from Amazon, right? And they just basically say, "Hey Alexa, can you send me FMLA information about California?" And then, boom! Next thing you know, they get an email with um, all the necessary information about FMLA um, in California and what they need to worry about, right? Um, so now, forward that that was three years ago, right? Um, so forward to where we are now. We actually see um, are beginning to see, I don't know, signs of that like proliferating through the entire work environment. Right. Think of, I don't know, something as simple as uh, employees walking into a conference room and saying like, hey, uh, hey, Max, connect us to such and such conference. Um, you know, hey, Max, turn on the lights. And by the way, I'm saying Max because one of our portfolio companies called Humaxa, um, they created a, a, a bot that that provides um, information to HR professionals and they call it Max. I often say AI is the new UI and voice is the new app. That's a, that's a, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, absolutely. So let's say you're talking to an audience of HR leaders and they're asking for your advice about how to go from maybe being a laggard when it comes to tech to being kind of a tech forward organization. Where do they start? 
the first, the very, very first step in, in this whole journey is putting together a strategy, right? And, and, uh, and that doesn't mean putting an HR technology plan in place, right? Um, as we heard this morning, actually, from uh, one of our keynotes, uh, Jason Aberbrook, right? One of the things that he, that he said was a lot of people make this mistake of thinking that putting together a plan that says, hey, I'm going to move from, I don't know, Ceridian to Workday, they call that a digital strategy. And that's not what it is, right? It's, it's an HR technology plan. You're basically just saying, hey, I'm going to move from this platform to this other platform. Digital strategy really is, is about looking at your overall culture in your company you know how is it that 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 people are are engaging with um, with technologies, right? What is the outcome going to be? Like it, it it can't just be you know implementing a new technology. That's not it, right? Because then you still have to roll it out to your employees. Are employees going to be happy with it? You know, one of the the examples that Jason gave was when the iPhone came out, right? Everybody now expects to be able to to do a lot of things, you know, in 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 that kind of format, right? And and if you're not if you're not implementing solutions like that in the workplace, then you're really not meeting the needs of your, you know, of of your employees. It was funny, like during that presentation, he actually said, um, how many people here are still using fax machines? And honestly, it was incredible to see the number of people that raised their hands that that are still using fax machines. I mean, just wild, you know. Shifting from fax machines to AI, I'm not sure there's a good segue, but increasingly AI is being used to automate a lot of functions in HR. And it's an interesting use of technology, but I would posit there are some potential downsides of having AI screen resumes or make decisions about who gets hired, promoted, fired, et cetera. How do you think about the ethics and some of the opportunities to introduce automation into the workplace, but also some of the challenges? Yeah, that's a really, really tough issue to think about. You know, one, you know, one of the things that, that we're going to start looking at is um, the building of the AI, right? Because people are, are the ones that are creating the AI. Right. So what biases are, you know, could software developers, for example, be putting into the AI? Um, you know, I'm sure you've heard about, you know, algorithms, right? Not 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 being too DEI friendly or diversity, equity and inclusion friendly. Right. So uh, so I think that that's really the first step of, of, you know, looking at that. Right. I think that once people start getting comfortable with with using that technology, the technology, and as long as they're able to trust the technology, then I don't think it's going to be a problem using it. As a matter of fact, I think it's going to make a lot of stuff a lot more strategic, right? Or more efficient. I, I should say a lot of. I, I could totally foresee a lot of HR manual processes right now um, going away because because of AI. You know, so so first you have to to really gain that trust um in order for for people to start feeling like they can use the technology and, I, and i'm going to give you an example actually so i'm a big tennis fan and um you know one of the things that that i began to to notice last year was that at the tennis tournaments they no longer have line judges 
right? But it took it took a few years for the players to get comfortable with trusting that all these cameras and systems that they've now implemented at stadiums, that they are being truthful in, in the line calls that, that they're doing, right? So I think it's a similar situation with, with in, in the workplace, right? Uh, I, I think people need to, to, to just, you know, once they start trusting the, the technology, then I think you're, you're going to see a lot of great things happening. Every sport, not just tennis, right? There are the purists. I'm thinking yeah. of baseball. Yeah, or or uh, soccer actually. I mean, when we so in last year's um, World Cup, right? Um, I think it was the first time that they implemented the uh, for the the VR for the offline offside calls, right? As well as the VR for um, goals. And as a matter of fact, during the final game, Argentina was given a goal after the VR prove that that it had been a goal so yeah amazing amazing technology i call that progress what do you say to all the purists whether they're hr purists or tennis fans or soccer fans who say that's not the way the game was meant to be played honestly they need to jump on the wagon or else they're going to be left behind um and I, i actually have a perfect example for that and that is um the hr blockchain right um i think that that's one of those that is truly a disruptive technology for the workplace, in my mind. Um, I view, no offense to background companies out there, but I view them as dinosaurs now. Once this blockchain gets really, really going, there's not going to be a need to, to, to have to contract out to um, a, a background company to verify a new employee joining your, your organization, right? You know, if, you know, if you have somebody who's already been verified by other companies as having worked there, as having the skill set that they say that they have, as having the degrees that they say that they have, right? Why, why do you need to go back and, and, and recheck or re-verify all that information, right? There, there's no need for it. How would that user's record on the blockchain get updated as their profile changes? Well, it, it's really interesting that you're mentioning that because I was on a on on a I did an interview earlier on today where where the same question came up, right? And so you know you're going to have the the employee, right, or the the person having the ability to be able to update their own credentials, right? But at the same time, there's also at the same exact time there's also going to be the verification that's going to be happening, right? So for example, I have an MBA from Cornell. If I put down somewhere that, hey, I got a, a, an MBA from Cornell, um, right now, the way that it works is that you have to go out to Cornell and verify that I have that information, right? But if I have a digital credential that, are, that, already, you know, that already has that verified, right, then it's just a matter of the other organization plugging into the same network and seeing that it's been verified by Cornell. Or if they, you know, if it hasn't happened yet, then, you know, think of, I'm plugged in, the organization's plugged in, Cornell is plugged in, right? And so then it it all happens instantly where I'm going in, I'm saying, hey, I have an MBA from Cornell. There's an automatic ping out to Cornell. Cornell says, yes, he has has an MBA from us. And then that ping goes back to the organization telling them that that it's been verified. So vast improvement. Absolutely. I often say you never want to be on the wrong side of innovation. Absolutely. Throughout history, even going back to the Industrial Revolution, you know, the ones who decided to break machines, the Luddites, they were on the wrong side of innovation. It, same, same philosophy holds today. 
Absolutely. Yep. Yep. No doubt about it. So you're talking to a lot of students who are thinking about how they can be successful in an environment, in a workplace environment where your your colleague's a bot. What do you think are the skills that are innately human that will always be valuable, even when a lot of manual tasks or mundane tasks are automated? Sure. So absolutely, without a doubt, in the future, people with a high level of EQ are going to, I think, are going to do much better than, than people who, you know, even though they may have a high IQ, but can't really communicate or talk with people. Um, that is an absolute must. And, and even now, I mean, you, you, you see it right now that the people who truly are able to have relationships are able to communicate correctly with people, right? Those are the people that, that typically advance um, in, in their careers, right? Um, so I think that that's definitely a very, you know, very, very important skill set to have. The other, the other thing that I'll add to it is that um, especially with, you know, when you take into consideration a lot of the issues that this world has, right? And I'm, and I'm, I'm gonna point at the pandemic I think people need to be more empathetic and really not jump at, you know, and make conclusions, you know, with, with, with other people, because you never know what, you know, what, what somebody could, could be going through. Right. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, I, I, at the beginning of the year, I had been in contact with somebody and I wasn't hearing from this person. And I was beginning to wonder like, what, what the hell is going on here? You know, why is he, she not responding? And uh, it turns out that um, the father had passed away. And, and so, you know, I, I think that, that that is a skill set that definitely people need to, to build, to be more empathetic. And I view that also as helping the workplace because then um, you know, when you look at it from a diversity, equity, and inclusion perspective, right, I think that that's going to help the workplace in that regard. And the reason why that's important is because it's well, it's been well proven that um, organizations that truly value diversity and uh, DEI tend to do better financially. I mean, it's no longer like the right thing to do. It's like, or, or, or yeah, it's no longer the right thing to do. People should just do it even for, for the economics, right? Guillermo. Hey, I got to get you off the hot seat, but uh, you're not you're not getting out of here without answering one last question for me. I'm curious. You see a lot of technologies before they're exposed to the public, maybe before they're even commercialized. Would love your impression. What's something over the last maybe couple quarters, three six months that just blew you away that uh, maybe the rest of us don't know about? <laughs> um, actually, that's an easy one for me. So. You know, I mentioned that I've I've been at Sherm eight years or almost eight years, right? And um, I've looked at a variety of different products, solutions. One that I've yet to see, although no, actually I've seen it now, I think. And so let me back it up a little bit and give you some context. In 2019, we came out with research that showed that 58% of people leave their organizations because of a bad manager, Right. So the one product that I've seen missing out there um, in the marketplace is an assessment, not just for the candidate, right, but also for the manager, not just an assessment that 
um, tells you that this person is going to be able to do the job. It's not just an assessment that tells you that this person is going to be a fit with the culture of your organization. I'm talking about an assessment that basically says these two people are, be, are going to be compatible, meaning the candidate and the hiring manager. That is a step that I've always that that I that that I had yet to to see until I was exposed to it three weeks ago. Um, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but it is it is coming. I, actually, I can tell you that it's going to be one of our cohort companies for the 2023 Workplace Tech Accelerator, um, and that is going to be announced soon. So. I'll leave I think it when it's that. announced, you're going to have to, uh, that's a cool tease. You'll have to come back another time and uh, for the big unveil. Absolutely. I would love to. <laughs> Good stuff. Guillermo, this has been a, a lot of fun. For the next time we record in person and we talk about this big, uh, this big reveal of this company, you'll have to come out and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll watch a tennis tournament together. Absolutely. We got the, we got the tournament at Stanford, so maybe we'll, we'll coordinate schedules around the next one. <laughs> oh, I would, I would love to come down for that. Absolutely. And by the way, if you're a tennis fan or for any tennis fans out there, beat San Francisco to go. I don't care what anybody says. He walks in water. So <laughs> I saw him at the Australian Open a while back, and that was, uh, that was life-changing. I, I, saw, I saw him in D.C., so yeah, an incredible player. <laughs> Guillermo, uh, where can our audience learn more about you and the work that uh, the team at Sherm Labs is doing? Sure. Um, you can visit us at shermlabs.com. Um, obviously, all, all of us are on, on LinkedIn. Um, if you go to Sherm, you'll see that, uh, you know, especially now where we've uh, dramatically increased this year um, what we're putting out there. Um, we actually have something called that we uh, call the Workplace Tech Spotlight. Um, it's a bi-weekly show that, uh, that we stream over our social media channels. And it's basically, you know, a 15-minute conversation where we provide our audience with some quick, valuable insights about what's going on in, in a workplace, workplace innovation, et cetera. So um, yeah, we're out there. We will link to that in the show notes. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Guillermo, it's been great hanging out. Thanks for uh, doing this in person. Likewise. <laughs> and uh, gosh, this one flew by. But that's a, uh, that's a wrap for this week on AI and the future of work. As always, I'm your host, Dan Turchin. And of course, we're back next week with another fascinating guest.